0: If you have your Bibles, you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 here this morning. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I want to speak to us on the topic today of gifted and, an, and excellence. I almost said gifted and anointed. Gifted and excellence. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You could flip there. You could turn there in your digital Bible. Or you could just pretend like you have it, and they'll put it on the screens. Praise God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, it also translates brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I honestly predict that probably 85 to 90% of the capital C church, not the local church, but the capital C church is completely uninformed about spiritual gifts at minimum. There's a a book I recommend, Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Lester Sumrall, which is probably the best work on it. And uh, about five or six years ago, I taught on the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in particular, for three straight weeks. But uh, continuing on, that's not particularly what we're talking about today. You know that when you were pagans you were led astray to mute idols however you were led therefore i want you to understand Christianity is not about uniformity, but it is about unity. It's not about making everybody look the same and, 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 and just like robots, but it is about unity in the spirit. You can see in Psalm chapter 133, it's only about three verses long, and it talks about the blessing of unity, that the anointing of God is actually commanded where there's unity. That's why I believe that there's no anointing in things that divide. There's no blessing in things that are are constantly people are splitting hairs about. Continue on with that. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now skip down to verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Now to verse 14. Uh, If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Paul, the apostle, would be very thankful he didn't have the sense of smell if he ever came on a Saturday night with some of the middle schoolers. Praise God. (laughs) There's this revelation we talked about last night, deodorant. (laughs) And brushing their teeth. Hallelujah. We're going to get to that in a second. Verse 18. And those parts of the body that we think uh, less honorable, we bestow the greater, and our our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. And it goes on to continue to talk about the parts of the body, how they're distinct, but they're unified. Where are you this morning? Can anybody tell me where you're at? All right, let me give you a hint it's a church on not Route 6, we're not on Route 6, we're on Business 6, a little bit different. Route 6 is the Casey Highway, Business 6 is, you're at 3364 Scranton-Carbondale Highway, Blakely, Pennsylvania, 18447. You're in Pennsylvania, you're in the United States of America, thank God for that. You're in the the continent of North America, you're on the planet called Earth, you're in the Milky Way galaxy. Should I go on to, should I be more specific as to where you're at? Should I give you GPS coordinates today? Okay, so now that we know where we're at, where's your where's your head at? Some of you, it's for dinner. Praise God. <laughs> where's your where's your hands at this morning? Hopefully, it's at the same place, right? And if not, we could believe God for a creative miracle. But you see, you can't be disarrayed or or or, or you know have have three fingers at home. And seven fingers with you, and then your head's somewhere up at a a different church, and then your feet are over at Walmart, you'd be dead. Now, it doesn't mean that your head has the same purpose as your feet, has the same purpose as your fingers, and so on and so forth, but it does mean that when they're together, they're better together. Amen? I get this question where people say to me something along the lines of this, well, I just don't know if I'm gifted. I, I just don't know if, if God could actually use somebody like me. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, the same author, same, or, or, or same author, different book, same big book, the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says this However, he has given each one of us, everybody see each one, say, I'm an each, each one of us, a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ. That means that you are gifted. Everybody say, I'm gifted. You might not feel gifted this morning. That might not mean that you're a preacher because you shouldn't even desire to be a preacher according to 1 Timothy. That doesn't even mean that you're a singer. That doesn't even mean that, that you're talented to play the keyboard. It doesn't even mean that you have all spiritual gifts working on the inside of you. What it does mean, though, is that there's greatness on the inside of you. It does mean that there's a gifting that's on the inside of your life. It does mean that you are called to greatness. It does mean that there's a gift on the inside of you. And can I be so kind to encourage us this morning that there's a gift on the inside of you and the manifestation is waiting to be had for those around you? You're gifted this morning. Everybody say, I'm gifted. Don't talk lowly about what God has gifted. Don't talk down about yourself when God has said, You see that right there? That's my son and I've gifted him. You see, you see that girl over there? That's my daughter and I've gifted her. There's greatness on the inside of you. Perhaps one of the greatest atrocities known to mankind. The greatest atrocity is that people don't know Christ, and that, that takes on many facets, as we know that people will spend an eternal damnation in hell. But can I also uh, uh, pitch this curveball at you here this morning? Did you know that that also means that there are people on their way to hell? Yeah, that's terrible, but it's also terrible that there's a gift on the inside of that person that will never be manifested and unified with the church. Abortion's bad because it's murder, but abortion's also bad because there's a gift inside of each little baby. Child sex trafficking is bad because of the horrific acts that it entails, but it also entails the the, the quenching of the gift that God has given each individual child. Praise God. See, the simple answer is this, that you are gifted. Everybody say gifted. So you can't let the enemy lie to you and destroy your purpose because the fact that you come to terms with your gifted. Those who are around you are waiting for the manifestation of the gift inside of you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16 says this, "A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great." That means that the gift on, on the inside of your life will bring you before people. Who the, who the world considers great, and the gift on the inside of your life, they'll actually seek it out before they make their next decision. Why? Because you're gifted. Everybody say, I'm gifted. So what do you do with the gift? you understand that there's a gift on the inside of you? You might not even understand fully what that gift is. But what do you do with the gift? One time, my brother, he, he, he oversees the, the music here at the church. So if you have any complaints, you can go to him. But uh, a, a woman one time came to my brother and she said, you know, all the problems of the church will be solved. And I have the answer. So she said, okay. Wow. She, wow. she knows a lot, I guess. Yep, she goes, once, once you get so and so involved, every problem in the church was boom, go away. Unless that so and so is Jesus Christ Himself, he ain't that important. She ain't that gifted. So yes, there's greatness and a gifting on the inside of you. Yes, yes, that gift will even make a path for you or make a way for you or bring you a seat to the table. But you have to understand that the gift is not for your exaltation, but it is for the exaltation of Christ. Does not Philippians chapter two say this? I believe it's verse four. It says, considering yourself lower than others or preferring others. See, we always seek to make Christ known. Does not the Bible say that it's Christ in you who's the hope of glory? Everybody say, I play a part. Did you know that I'm not the most important part of the youth ministry at Peckville Assembly of God? I'm not. I'm actually not even the main character. Did you know that although I have a microphone here this morning and a Bible in a digital format and notes, that I'm not the main character here at the 9 a.m. service? Neither was my father or Yadera, or anybody in the worship team or the guy or the gal who shook your hand this morning or made your coffee or even you yourself. You're not the main character. We're simply playing a part. You know, here's what we do. We understand that we're gifted, and so you get excited. Man, I've got, I've got a gift on the inside of me. People are waiting for the manifestation of that gift. I'm going to set people free. I'm going to, and, and, and I understand that, and that's all right, and that's well, and that's fine. But when you understand that there's a gift on the inside of your life, the most important thing you could do is begin to serve. So many times people will come in, and because they have clout, in the world, they'll come into a church like this and see everything that's going on, and they'll say, well, I, I want to lead something. Put me in charge. You could be in charge of shutting up and sitting down. You could be in charge of stacking chairs. You could be, in, you know, long before you can ever touch a microphone, you should touch a lot of plungers. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a real popular point. And I don't care. Now, let me say this. With the youth, the buck stops here, but I'm not the main character. That's Jesus. You understand in a movie that there's a main character and there's supporting roles and things like that. Everybody has a part to play. I'm not the main character. Jesus is. Let me say this. You're not even the main character of your life. Jesus is. If you lift up Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When you get more concerned about lifting up Jesus than your own ideas and your own agendas and everything like that, you'll begin to feel a whole lot more free. Amen? Even if you don't agree with it, still true. That's why it's important that we play our part. Everybody say, I'll play my part. Now say it like you're alive. Say, I'll play my part. I'll play my part. Praise God. In fourth grade, I joined the band at Lakeland, and uh, Mr. B, senior Mr. B, was the uh, he was the the guy who orchestrated the band. And what does any young any young man who joins a band? What do they want to play? The drums, right? And so I was like, Mr. B, I want to play the drums. And he's like, Okay, Dross, you're gonna play the snare drum. Oh, awesome! So I have my snare drum. I'm in the back of the room, and for some reason, in elementary school uh they they always spend the most time with like the girl who plays the flute my wife plays the flute or they'll spend time with the one kid who plays the saxophone the french horn or something like that so he would always be up and say okay girls we're gonna play and and whatever they're gonna play so they'd start to play and i'd be in the back room now i had a little bit of a wild hair and so those poor little girls boom boom you know what happened he's like drops quit it back there and he'd say, don't play that drum while they're trying to play their flute. It's okay, you got it, all right. So I, I'd be back there and I'd have that drum and I'd, I'd take the stick and I'd start hitting the side of it. He'd say, Dross, I told you not to play the drum. I said, I'm not playing the drum, I'm playing the side of the drum. You never specified which part of the drum you told me not to play or to play. I'm just, I just wanna be honest with you. And, and so then he, he got it, you know, we're going to take away your drum, whatever. Okay, so fine. So I'm in the back and, and I'm still like, like every A with a D and an H, like they said I got it. So I'm, I'm like squirming around like, man, this is so boring. Like this, I got to put up an hour of this, which an hour feels like an eternity when you're like, you know, seven. And, and so I, I'd be back and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like what time is it? And, and, and so, you know, they'd be up playing, playing with these girls and I'd say, hey, Mr. B, Red Sox stink. Go Yankees. He's a big Red Sox fan. Drust! Zip it back there. Because I couldn't learn to play my part. See, I I wanted to be the guy who was making the most amount of noise in the room. I couldn't learn to wait until it was well orchestrated to play my part. It's the same thing with the gifts in the church. It's the same thing with the gift that's on your life. Your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for others. And matter of fact, you can't even do it on your own. You have to join God's orchestra to say, if he says to sit, I sit. If he says to play, I play. I'm not here to cause a disturbance. I'm here to play my part. I'm not here to push my agenda. I'm here to play my drum when he says to play and to stop when he says to stop. I'm here to celebrate others when he says to celebrate others. I'm here to scrub the floors when he says to scrub the floors and preach when he says to preach because the gift on my life calls for unity. It doesn't call for individuality. Everybody say butter. Everybody say bread. You know one of my favorite bread dishes in town is Texas Roadkill. I don't even care about the steak so much at Texas Roadkill, Texas Roadhouse, but I do like, I'll choose a restaurant over the kind of bread they have. And let me tell you something, if you're sitting at the table with me, when that bread comes, you're not getting any bread unless you get your own basket. I believe that that basket's just for me and not for anybody else. And I love, I, oh man, they bring those rolls around, they got that cinnamon butter. You cut open that roll, it's got that butter glaze thing on top. And you put that and it melts. Hallelujah, praise God. And by the time that, you know, like uh, Red Lobster has good rolls too. And, and listen, you, you're sitting next to me at that table, you're not getting any bread. Get your own. Tell, tell the waiter, tell the waitress to get your own, because you're not, you're not getting any of this. This is mine. But, you know, it's, we, we talk about bread like that, but how many know we don't, talk like, we don't talk about flour like that? Oh, man, let me tell you, the flour they use over at Red Lobster, it's just so killer. Don't bring me bread, just bring me flour. The salt they use, oh my gosh, like give me a pound of salt. Forget the fisherman's feast, just give give me the pound of salt. Oh, the city water they use, the Dixon City water they use. It just tastes, I love the chlorine in it, it's just so good. Oh man, the yeast, oh wow, I, I love the way that yeast tastes. No, you don't think like that. But you see, when it's all joined together and it's put underneath the right heat and the right pressure, all of a sudden something beautiful happens. See, because that's what we call orchestration. Oh, you're not catching when I'm pitching. That's what we call orchestration. The gift on, on the inside of your life is not for you to embedder yourself. It's for you to be joined and unified with the body of Christ so that you say, man, I might be some yeast. and I'm not I'm no good on my own. But when I join up with some flour and some salt, oh, come on, now let's talk about butter. All butter is, is curdled cream that was whipped. You look inside your fridge and say, man, that heavy whipping cream. That's, you know, two months past date. Wow, I just can't wait until I get to go home and chug that you don't think like that. And if you do, we need to cast that out of you. (laughs) But you see in the process and when it's joined with the other ingredients or the other gifts, it becomes something very desirable. You're, you're awesome, but you're not desirable on your own. You're desirable when you're unified and working toward a common purpose and a common goal. The gift on your life is not for you, it's for others. The gift on your life is not so you can sit, soak, and sour in a local church. The gift on your life is so you can be unified behind a common goal and the five purposes of the church to move the ball down the field and say, I've died to myself, but I've been made alive in Christ Jesus with my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are the family of God, amen? You're an ingredient. You're not all that in a bag of chips in the rolls with the butter. Hallelujah. Okay, so we recognize there's a fact that there's a gift on your life and that it's not just so you can play one part, but to operate together. But now, how do we operate together? Go over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I'm almost done. Not really, but I figure if I tell you that, it'll make you feel good. (laughs) Daniel chapter six, starting in verse one. Just to give you a little backdrop before I get into the text here, Daniel was somebody who was exiled out of his home country. He was stripped of his culture. They took away the way he dressed, the language he spoke, the very name he lived by, what was comfortable to him. He was exiled out and he was put into a foreign land to serve a king. Now, what happened was Daniel gained favor because he operated in excellence. Everybody say excellence. And so what happened was this, Daniel chapter six, starting in verse one, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 set traps. Then that would be like governors. To be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials. The high officials would be like presidents. Of whom Daniel was one. To whom these set traps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Everybody say order. Structure. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Everybody say excellency of spirit. An excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Everybody say favor. Continuing on. Then the high officials, his buddies around them, and the set traps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they can find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. want to land the plane with the spirit of excellence everybody say excellence see the Bible records that Daniel was flawless of character you know what excellence really means excellence is not doing your best excellence means living like Christ flawless of character now Daniel was a guy who was exiled out of a land that he knew They changed what he ate. They changed what he wore. They changed his name. They changed his activity, but they couldn't change his worship. And a matter of fact, in Daniel chapter three, verse five, is when you see where the king erects a statue that's 90 foot tall, made of gold, and because he recognized, I can change what these guys eat, I can change the way they dress, I can change the way they talk, I can even change their name and how they dress and everything like that, and take them out of their land, but until I change their worship, I'll never change a nation. And so they exile them out, and, and but they, the king's making no progress in the area of the kingdom of evil because he can't change their worship. So he says this, all right guys, new rule. When, when, when the music plays, when the music plays, I want every single person to bow down and to worship the golden statue of myself. And so what happens? The music begins to play and everybody hits their knees, but there's Daniel and you can't change his worship. You could change the way I dress, You can change what you call me, just don't call me late for dinner. You you, you could change the music, you could change all this stuff, but let me tell you, you can't change who I worship. I warned our young people last night, I warned you the same thing this morning. Be careful what you're letting into your ears, be careful what music is playing and what it's calling you to worship. Can I be honest? I don't believe in Christian and secular music. I don't believe that that a song can like receive Jesus Christ, repent at an altar, and live live for God. I don't. But I do believe in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of evil. You know what that means? Like the song, America the Beautiful? That's more anointed than a lot of songs on Caleb. Don't shout me down. I actually enjoy... Now, I I better get behind that pulpit because at least that one's solid. No one can shoot me from that one. But I I actually enjoy, I'll just say, different kinds of music. Is that okay this morning? When I learned how to play guitar, a lot of people who teach you, they teach you certain chord progressions of classic rock. And so you would listen to that. But where it changes for me is when I can hear when they call for me to bow down and worship. Be careful what you're letting bow down and worship in your life. And that goes for K-Love, to BHT, to 97.9X, to 101.3, to political talk radio, to whatever it might be. Be careful what you worship. You can also go for silence. It's a trigger that causes people to bow down and worship. Can you simply coincide or simply live in the kingdom of light and not let the kingdom of darkness's sound cause you to bow your knee into worship? Pet peeve of mine is when people fill up their ears six days a week on sensual musical pornography and then come in the church and think that everything's just fine with them and the Lord. It's not fine. It's not okay. Okay. Matter of fact, music that causes you to go back to a time in your life where you weren't saved never belongs in your ears. It, it ticks me off. You, you either live for Jesus or you don't. Pick which side you're on. Well, I just like that. I just like the chord progression. The guy's singing about drugs and sex and, and everything. Why would you let that in your ears? Now, there's also music that's completely harmless there's music they're not singing about that. They're singing about about freedom. They're singing about uh, things like that. But also you have to watch that that music doesn't get in and cause you to worship your culture and not where God's calling you to go. I'll get off that train. But I think I planted a seed in your heart to be careful what you listen to. Well, I just like, I just like the way that the guy sings. Well, that's nice. But if he's singing about sex... And you're single You probably shouldn't listen to the song If you singing about drugs And you don't want to do drugs Then you probably shouldn't listen to the song If you singing about going to a club Or she's singing about going You know Katy Perry was raised in Assemblies of God church Matter of fact her dad is an Assemblies of God pastor Don't you dare think That that person who you think is so harmless Behind that microphone Meanwhile they're in the back Worshipping the images of Baal Literally bowing down. You know, and there's this, there's this stupid doctrine in the church that people can sell their souls. Your soul doesn't even belong to you to sell. But they can trade the true anointing for the devil's anointing. I'll continue on. My, my, my. Back to excellence. Daniel caught the eye of royalty by the way that he served. Everybody say, by the way I serve. I catch the eye of royalty. While everybody else is just doing enough to get by, Daniel is someone. He's the guy who clocks in early and clocks out late. He, he, he's the guy who, who yeah, he, he's somebody in charge, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and serve he's the guy who who operates in a way he says i'm not serving a wicked king although that's the position i'm in see you might be working a job right now in a hospital or in a school or in a factory or in a warehouse or in a church or wherever else and you've convinced yourself that you actually work for your manager you don't you work for god That means you can't cut corners when somebody else isn't around because God is omnipresent. See, excellency isn't a call to good. Excellency is a call to to, to living like Jesus in your workplace. It's not a call to say, well, boy, I guess I better show up on time tomorrow at work. If you show up on time, you're late. You have to show up before time. It ticks me off, you know, like like I've been been in settings before and, and I'll just give you one. Like, you come into a practice or something like that, and thank God we don't, we're not like this here at this church, but, like, you know, it's five minutes before the service, and the guy hasn't practiced all week, and he gets up on the guitar, and he's there tuning. Brr, brr, well, oh, boy. Uh, oh, I don't, what are we going to sing today? That's not excellency. That's you being lazy and blaming it on the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll just see where God takes us. Really? Like, you haven't prayed about that throughout the week? Let me say this, if you could trust the Holy Spirit for the next moment, and you could trust him for the next week and the next month. See, some of you just want, want hands laid on you so you can roll around the carpet, but the truth of the matter is this, if you get up and you're never, you're never any different, you don't work any harder, you don't, you don't pray for anybody else, then who are you really worshiping, who are you really serving? An ideology of mysticism, or are you really serving the one true God who's calling you to a place of excellency, who's calling you to manifest the spirit of excellence on the inside of you? There's a world that's waiting for that gift to be manifested, but you have to get beyond the things that you consider normal and the things that you consider good and say, I'm not going for good, I'm going for excellent. How about the parable of the talents? Matthew 25, 21 records this. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. How about Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13 with the shrewd manager? One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. You know what drives me bonkers? That when people drive a beater car, they treat it like a beater car. No, you know what? Excellence, you, you know, and they'll say, well, I'm just believing God for my escalade. He'll, you'll never, you'll never get the E of an escalade treating your car the way you do. Get your vacuum cleaner out. Vacuum your car. I know a real this is a real barn burner today. Vacuum your car. I I, I told our youth last night, don't tell me you operate in excellence and, and you can't put a stick of deodorant on. I should just quit. (laughs) Don't tell me you operate in excellence when it doesn't get into your armpits and into your mouth. Praise God. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I promise, next service will be better. (laughs) Well, I'm just believing God. I've had students tell me, well, I'm just believing God that I'm going to shake nations. I said, don't tell me that until you shake your school. When you're faithful in the little, that's when God says, you know what that person, I I can make them in charge of much. When you treat little like little, all you'll have is little. But when you treat little like much, that's when God says, man, I can put them in charge of something. My first time ever serving in church, uh, you you see these cameras that we have right now, right? My first time, I think I was seven or eight years old, gospel media works. I went down, I I had a pair of shorts on and a, a shirt. I'm sure I probably had a collar on, but. It was, it was a bright colored shirt. And I, I went down and I said, hey, Fred. Fred. Fred and my dad had this vision of putting the church on TV. And so they had some episodes and things like that. PAX, I believe was the original network. Right? It was like 13 bucks an episode or something. And I actually saw the old cameras we still have in the back room. And I, I said, hey, Fred, I'm supposed to run a camera today. He looked at me and said, not like that you're not. I said, what? He goes, number one, you have shorts on. He goes, your grandmother's going to kill me. (laughs) He said, number two, he said, we wear a black shirt and slacks. I said, okay. He goes, come back next week and dress appropriately, and we'll consider having you run a camera. That was the best thing for me. I remember when I was up in Nome, I had a snow machine, nice snow machine. And uh, I was getting around the break-in period on the snow, snow machine. Pastor Austin said to me, he goes, hey, is that, is that machine broken in yet? I said, yeah, I'm almost at 1,000 miles. He goes, well, you better take that for an oil change. He goes, that, that, that's due for an oil change, so you, you better take that for an he, he said, God's given you that machine. You better steward it well. Come on. You know what an oil change was 240 bucks for a three-cylinder snowmobile. Don't tell me that you can be ignorant with the little and believe God for the big. Your diligence in the little will determine your excellence in the big. You know, most people just don't show up. They just don't show up. I don't mean not physically. I mean, at work, you're you're there physically, but you're not there spiritually invested. Spiritually invested, you know, I, have, I, I, I sell hamburgers. Well, then sell them to the glory of God. Sell them with excellency. I'll never forget our first apartment, 800, 800 square foot above the church. Not this church. And they, they, took it, they, they fixed it up for us. My wife worked a lot, and I worked... I was full-time in ministry and sub-school and volunteered and everything like that. But I remember i put the worship music on. And when I clean something, I don't clean what you can see. I pull the stove out. I lift the chairs up. Because I'm not doing it so my wife can give me a hug when she comes home. I'm doing it under the presence of Jesus Christ, he's standing right there watching me work. And so I scrubbed that thing to the glory of God. I remember people walking the church and go, it smells like pine saw in here for some reason. Oh, it does. What you do when no one else is watching is who you really are. Don't you ever lie to yourself. One who's faithful in the little will also be faithful in much. You know you know that money, all money is is a mirror. It's all money is, it's a mirror. I know people try to spiritualize it, people try to worship it, people try to cast it down like they don't care about it, but all it really is is a mirror. In other words, all money does is reflect the image of the person who bears it. In other words, your checkbook that you have, don't tell me you'll start tithing when you make more money when you're not tithing now. Don't tell me that you're going to give offering one day when you hit the lottery. (laughs) I told you, next service will be better. Everybody say excellence. Excellence. See, excellence isn't something I'm trying to achieve, it's something that's embranded in my spirit. It's diligence, it's professionalism. And it points to Jesus in you. Excellence affects every aspect of our lives. Oh, that's ridiculous, you would tell the youth, their hygiene. It, it affects your hygiene. You know, and you might be saying, well, what about the students who don't have anything? Well, number one, if they don't, we'll give them something. I gave away something last night. But if you have, if you have, maybe you have a hole in your shirt today. Just rip it a little bit more, make it designer. <laughs> Just show up, you're proud of it. I'll, I'll, I'll wash this thing. Uh, I'll wear it to the glory of God until God gives me something better. But I'm not going to look down lower at myself and say that I'm not gifted and I'm not this and, oh, one day when we make it to heaven. No, the Bible says that godliness is profitable both now and in the life to come. Does God operate in excellence? Well, he paves his streets with pure gold, This side of eternity, we can't technically have pure gold. The purest of the pure of the gold that we have is 0.9 extended. That's why actually gold has that yellow tint to it, or, or, or it's yellow in color, or gold in color. But that means that the streets in heaven, from a geological standpoint, are actually clear as glass because it's pure as gold. So I would say that God cares about excellence. I learned excellence from my father. I learned it from some other pastors. I learned it from some people. I also learned it from my grandfather. One time I was leaving for college. I had my car, I was driving up through the parking lot and I observed my grandma and grandpa in their mid 80s on a cool day, a cool fall day, walking hand in hand, praying over the church and I watched my grandpa bend down, he ha- he's had two hip replacements, bend down and pick up a gum wrapper off the parking lot of the church and put it in a bag and keep moving. I have, I've, I've observed excellence. See, excellence will cause you to not walk past a piece of trash. The janitors are the loudest amens, praise God. How many people wanna hear from God? You wanna hear from God? You 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 wanna feel the unction of the Holy Spirit? Never walk past a piece of trash in your life again. Feel that conviction to say, I'll pick it up. Why? Because when you're faithful enough to pick up a gum wrapper or a cigarette butt or, or, or whatever it is in the parking lot of a church, that's when God says, now that's someone I could trust. They care enough when no one else is watching. I shouldn't name names here today, but I've observed it over and over and over. When you're faithful with what God has given you, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean, man, you know, I mean, I remember when I was 16, 17 years old, you know, eat eat McDonald's, that McDonald's is, is staying with you for a few weeks. You know what I mean? You're eating it in your car, the Big Mac sauce. It looks like ISIS blew up a a Big Mac in your car. You know, there's like lettuce everywhere. Okay, that wasn't a good analogy. Anyways, you know, it's just just dirty in your car. Somebody gets in. You know what what drives me nuts? When I get in someone's car and I have to like excavate my way into the seat. They're like, oh, sorry, if you could just clear a spot. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. I'll get Dwayne in here at the excavator. You know, like... You know, you know hey bro you need you need you need like a you need a garbage bag or something in here like an air freshener See excellence will affect every aspect of your life. Amen. It's not about being better, it's about being like Christ. See, we have to cast off the idea that all we're good for as as Christians as Pentecostal, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost people that all we're good for is living by the seat of our pants and living dirty. I'm, I'm, I'll am i just say I'm in my mid-20s. That, that, that's kind of safe, you know? But when I preach, okay, I, I spend time in prayer. I spend time in the Word and things like that. But I also feel like, if I could just shoot straight with you, I also feel like that I have to be more presentable when I preach because the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We take the second part and say, oh, praise God, that means I can just be any way I want. No, the first part is just as true as the second part man looks on the outward appearance. That means don't look like a slouch. Don't operate like a slouch. Well, that, that, the Bible says, come as you are. It doesn't exactly refer to your teeth that way. They give away toothbrushes in the pantry. You need one? Hit us up. Need a place to do your laundry? Hit us up. I'll give you four quarters for the laundromat. When you understand that you're a caretaker of the garden of your life, What was the great sin in the garden? They didn't hear from God. But they also weren't stewarding what God has given them. Because when he said, don't touch, they touched. Everybody say, I live by the conviction of excellence. It's not the idea of goodness, it's the conviction of excellence. One time we had an intern at the church, I think I was like a senior in high school. And uh, he was from Bible college, second, third year, or something like that. The kid, just, I mean, just crap in his car everywhere, just like McDonald's. And I don't even think there's a Chick fil A for 100 miles. And there's like Chick fil A stuff and like sauce in his. And uh, when we were out playing golf or something or shooting birds, and we came back to the church parking lot, and his car was like immaculate. Like, like you didn't even know there was a car there, and it was now it was all clean. And we pulled in and he said, what happened to my car? Like he was offended almost, you know, what happened to my car? And Tyler said, well, I don't know. He said, maybe it was my dad. Maybe it was someone else. He said, but somebody obviously saw your car and said, that's not how we should be operating. So they cleaned your car for you. Next time, take better care of your car. Man, if I can have an altar call that I hear, it'd be, it'd be It'd be pine saw and a vacuum and a good attitude when you're doing it. People people will say, well, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy, busy. Being under Satan's yoke. You're convincing yourself. And the truth is you're probably not that busy. If you made a list, you, you realize you're not even that busy. You work 12 hours. I used to work half days. Praise God. Two of us got that. It's called excellence. I submit this to to you today in in complete humility to know that it's not achievable just to say, well, I'm going to try to be better. You actually, this takes extreme faith to say, I'm going to reach out for excellence. Next time I mow the lawn, I'm not cutting corners. The next time I take care of my kids, I'm not cutting corners. The, the, the next time that, that my boss asks me to stay late, I'm not going to get mouthy with them. The, the next time I'm called to serve in the church, I'm not going to say, well, that, that's below me. It's about showing up and showing up with excellence. See, D- Daniel walked in excellence, is flawless of character and integrity. And people around him saw that. And it drove them bonkers. And so they actually, they devised a plan. Daniel chapter six, verse four, they devised a plan against him. They tried to look for anything on his record, anything in his character, anything in his integrity, and anything, any any way they could trip him up, but they couldn't find anything. When people like brother Ted and, other great men of God, prophets would come to town. I remember as a kid, I'd feel like, oh man, he's gonna find out. I I watched like too much Nickelodeon last week and didn't read my Bible that last Wednesday. And like, but you know, now I get around those guys. and I'm like, man, like I want them to hear from God. If there's any area in my life that that, that's not, not up to the excellency of Christ, I wanna make sure that that's up to snuff. Back to my GMW story. When I walked away, I got on the camera. My first time serving, I, I, I operated a camera. I almost brought it out this morning. It's one of those old, I think they were Sony. I don't even know what went into those things. It looked like a tape, but you know. And I operated that camera. I remember it was so, so attentive. I was like, man, I, I hope they call on my camera. I can't wait. I was running that little camera. They had like like carts that they put the cameras on. And I was sitting there running that camera. Seven years old, right around there, around the camera. And I remember when you're faithful in those things, God will make you a rule over much. Now I look at the cameras that are in this room and conservatively speaking, there's probably anywhere from 70 to $100,000 worth of camera equipment and videotape equipment in this room. Because when you're faithful with the little, God will make you ruler over much. What started with a PAX channel, local TV, I don't think PAX is around anymore. We started with a local TV channel, now goes to different nations of the earth. That guy who had that, uh, who, who had that ministry, the Assemblies of God National Office would call him up and say, Hey, there's a missionary down in, 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 in Jamaica. Could you go and could you help him? There's somebody over in this part. See why? Because when you commit yourself to things that people seem small or meaningless or little, is when God says, Man, you're faithful on that. Now I'm about to make you go to a different level. Are we faithful? Do we operate in excellence? As the worship team comes back this morning, there's people in high places who visit this church quite often. Well, it's it's not unusual to have a mayor or a, a state representative or a district attorney or a county rep or, or, or any it's not uncommon to have these people in our services. And 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 you know, some people that might make them like, oh my gosh, boy, I, 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 I hope the air is the right temperature and I hope this is okay and I, I, I hope the carpet's clean. But see, for, when you live a lifestyle of excellence, those things don't bother you. Those things don't give you anxiety because you know it's already running like a well-oiled machine. So when these people join you for service, it's not, oh man, oh boy, did you see the DA is here? Did, did, oh, maybe he's gonna arrest somebody, I don't know. You know, no, you show up and you say, man, everything is the way that God has called us to have it. There's somebody in my family, I won't say who, they're not in my immediate family, but for every minute they preach, they spend one hour studying. And he usually speaks anywhere from 60 to 65 minutes, and he's not a young man. So about 60 to 65 hours just studying the scriptures before he preaches a one-hour sermon. because he refuses to fly by the seat of his pants. What are areas that today, man, I'm, I'm trying to get better in this. This preaches to me as well, but what are areas in our life today that we need to believe God, that we operate in the spirit of excellence? You're gifted. It's already on in the inside of you. Don't convince you that it's not there. For some reason, the catalyst is filled with students. A lot of them, I'd say probably 30 to 40% of them, feel a call to ministry, like full time ministry on their lives. But I also see they're called to full time service now. Don't tell me you're called to ministry when you're not serving your brains out now. Praise God. Don't we serve a good God? This is about being called to live above and not beneath. How many believe that we're the head and not the tail? Are you operating like the head and not the tail? How how many believe we're called to be above and never beneath? Are we operating like we're above and never beneath? Woody Woodson, who was here a couple weeks ago, his son works for Google, like, like, you know, the thing that your grandkids use. And he, I'm just kidding. That was, that was, a, that was a joke. He works for Google. Google handed him a project to write 7 million lines of code, 7 million. That's, so that's a lot. That's, that, that, that's like a lot of words. Okay. You know, remember when they used to time you for typing in school? So it's times that by about 7 million. Oh, by the way, your deadline's in six weeks. He, he, he was actually in the room for the project, and he was sitting in the back of the room. He's a quiet kid. He's actually my age. He's sitting there, and he said, "All the top minds of Google are there, and they can't figure out the problem." And he said, "I'm not saying a word." And these guys have PhDs. These guys have not Pentecostal hairdo, like like you know, the, like a doctorate. They, you know, they have more degrees than a the thermometer, and they're trying to figure out. And he, this young kid sitting in the back, he said, after two months of frustration, these guys that th- they couldn't. They couldn't come to terms with it. So he said, after two months, he stood up and said, actually guys, the problem is boop, 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 boop. And he said, I'll have this done in six weeks for you. Google gave him a bonus of $10 million at 24 years old because someone believed God to operate in excellence. Wow, what a powerful message. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home and we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God and you can let us know how these broadcasts have helped you. We will see you next time. And one more thing, we love you, God loves you and may God's richest blessing be yours.